everyone. Uh, my name is Joel McLeod, and welcome to the 905er. Uh, we're very thankful to have uh, back to the podcast, longtime friend uh, and our, our faithful eyes in North Halton, uh, Laura Steiner, back to the podcast. Thank you, Laura, for uh, for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're kind of hashing out like what what we're going to talk about uh, on the uh, on the podcast just before we hit record, and I'm going to throw it open to you to to lead us off because you, you're the uh, the 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 nitty gritty, you know, in the in the streets up in uh, in the wilds of Milton. Uh, yeah, uh, what, what's been going on? Why don't you, why don't you give us a lowdown? On what's uh, what you've been uh, focusing on? Well, what I've been focusing on lately is the is all the, all the carjackings that have happened around Milton and in, and in North Halton, uh, there was police and some community and a couple of community leaders, a couple of local councillors got together and got a, got a forum about a week ago now. And it was pretty well attended and they were talking all about the, uh, the increase in carjackings. And um, I don't know if, and it, it's a GT, it's not just a Milton or North Halton. It's not just a Peel problem. It's not just a Halton problem. It's everywhere around the GTA. Um, in researching the story I found in, in, I think it was Mississauga alone, over 900 cars had been stolen. Or in, I think it was in Peel region, over 900 cars had been stolen in the first week of January alone. And sorry, do you say first week? Yeah, in the first week. Oh my holy cow, that's that's incredible. Let me double check right now. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, it's pretty nuts. So yeah, well, it, it's it's pretty nuts when you're digging down to it. And I found out that in Milton over 2022, 233 cars have been stolen. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of those anecdotal things that we hear all the time. It's, oh, there's another carjacking, you know, in, in uh, at York uh, Yorkdale Mall or or Square One or, or whatnot. You think, oh, it's just crazy. But when we put the numbers down to it, that's, I mean, that that's not just kids fooling around to have, you know, to uh, to, to to have a, you know, doing it for kicks. It, you know, that's not, that's almost like an organized uh, organized methodology, an organized crime syndicate uh geared towards the, the the theft of cars it's it's actually that's what um halton police has formed um a car a car theft task force looking into it and that's what that's some of what they're finding they recovered um they've they've recovered a few vehicles i think somewhere in burlington a couple a month and a half or so ago and they were i think on their way en route overseas and um this past it's hard to keep track because there's been a couple in the last uh and a couple of pretty high profile stuff happened in the last week the first one was around like right before the the forum on on car theft the forum was on March 4th. They'd made the arrests on March 2nd. And this was just an officer up in North Halton that was doing a street check on a plate and and found pulled this guy over, arrested him, and found 
that there were others using a house in Milton as an Airbnb. And event and eventually they caught up with suspects in in Mississauga at a gas station and arrested them. And one of them is an 18-year-old wanted for murder in in Quebec. So when you say an Airbnb, you mean like somebody paid for an Airbnb to get these people to come in from out of region or out of, out of Halton to stay there. And basically from this Airbnb, it'd be like their headquarters and they'd operate a crime, a, a car theft ring out of this house. Is that basically what, what I'm hearing? That sounds like it's the case. Yes. Um, I did ask after the, after the forum, I did ask about it. They're, police were unwilling to, to speak about it too much because it was, it's still under investigation. What, so. it, what gets, what gets me though, is that like, this isn't, this isn't a situation, uh, uh, you know, that's only for Halton. Uh, Cause we know there's cases in Peel uh, in Vaughn, like York, York PD is also hearing uh, similar situations. And we definitely know in Toronto, so it's clear, like you know, this crime—if it's one or multiple gangs, organized organized crime uh, outfits—it's clear that they're doing this. Uh, they're they're operating across regional borders. Have you, have you heard of there any collaboration between like Peel PD, Halton PD, York PD on on like a on a strategy, or is, are we still everyone for I... themselves? I'm not hearing anything concrete, but I do think there is something like they'll halt. My impression is I'm trying to be careful what sure, I sure. say. Um, my impression is that Halton police is very willing to work with other area police forces and trying to get it, trying to get it all sorted. Um, the other issue, the other problem is how these are being done and they're calling them reprogramming thefts, which basically means the thieves, the thieves are working in, the thieves are working in teams more or less. And um, they're basically plug into a port and somebody else is on, is off scene and they're getting, they're reprogramming the key, the key fobs. Right, so so, so the, the, your key tag, yeah, there people who might be like, "What? What are you? You follow? you talking about like the key tag, your keychain that you get from the car dealer, that you know you you press the button and it unlocks your car, or in some cases is what you need to start the car. It's yeah, a signal. They're they're basically hijacking that signal and clo- and cloning it to get the car in your driveway. Basically, yeah, yeah, and it, uh, they're only taking it only takes. Like they said, forty-five seconds or so. So it's very quick. And it's it's what floors me is because the the other thing that we're I was when you're talking about crime prevention, there's an announcement today by the federal uh, 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 federal government that they're going to uh, fund four million dollars in Halton for safer communities and to to go to at kids. At youth, and you know, I'm not going to knock that. I'm not going to. Will it would help? I don't know. I, I find it's one of these feel good stories. What strikes me is that this has not been going on. This is not an overnight thing. 
right? This has clearly been going on for a while. Yet I don't hear from the province or from the feds pressure to form a co- like a coordinated task force or coordinated like to to tell police this uh, police uh, uh, departments you need to work together or do you want to hand it over to the OPP because I, I this or the RCMP to invite call the RCMP and because this is I know from what I've I've heard is that cars are winding up in the port of Montreal uh, or the port of Halifax to be shipped overseas to uh, to be resold. So clearly, like I think there is a federal jurisdiction here that you could call the RCMP in to actually conduct an investigation in, into an organized crime syndicate in this in this part of the country. I just find that the the, the feds coming in and saying, "Oh, we're going to get four million dollars for uh, at risk youth." Yeah, that's all lovely and, and cozy, it's, but yeah, but it like, is. But th- this this is serious. Like this is yeah, it is. Yeah. It's- it's completely serious. And what, what the police, what Halton police actually were talking about was this isn't just a carjacking. This is more of a gate as, as the example of the guys in the Airbnb, this is an exam. This is more of a gateway crime than anything. Like it's like just get, gateway to what? Well, it's like you catch the guy. It's more like, uh, what are the cars used for kind of a thing, you know, it's um, shipping different drugs, shipping oh, I see, um, I see. This, that sort of thing. And um, so that, that, and the other, the other thing they talked about was Canada border services agency. Um, mm-hmm. They're not these, some of these cars are apparently ending up on a, on the container ships within a day. Of being, well, Montreal's only five hours away, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, of being of being stolen. So, you know, and some of these people have very lengthy records. This isn't their first. Uh, this isn't their first. They're not first time offenders by this point. So, um, well, I mean, it's clear that you know this is you know if they're running up in in Montreal. Or in Halifax, being put on shipping containers. I mean, this is clearly outside the 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 realm or possibly the expertise of Peel or Halton PD or York PD. Uh, to them. I mean, they, they wouldn't know how to they wouldn't know who to approach in Montreal to to get the lowdown on who who's shipping cars cars to you know wherever. Again, I, I of course, like you know. It, it, where are the feds? Like, where, where's the RCMP on this? This is clearly like an RCMP. At the very least, the OPP should be involved here. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. I don't, I don't know for a fact, but it's just my, yeah. my, my two cents, my two cents here. Well, one of the things that was mentioned is Bill C75, which I actually, I had to look it up, look it up to find out what it was, but mm-hmm. it was a piece of legislation that um, gave judges a lot of leeway with the more violent criminals and that's another that's sort of another piece of it because um chiefs of police i know chief tanner back last fall when there was the shaquille ashraf shooting at mk tire um they were they've been shouting about bail reform ever since so there's probably something on that end that should be 
examined a little more closely as well. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, I, don't, I don't. It's one of these things, like you know, I, I don't, I don't buy this isn't solvable. I mean, it's clearly that the organized organized crime elements in Peel are expanding into, I mean, if you're going to Milton, like Milton doesn't strike me as a huge booming target of a hotbed of organized crime, right? Like it's not, like I, don't, I don't picture, you know, the Sopranos when I think of Milton, <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess, you know, you, the, you, as the old saying goes, you go where the business is. Um, but it's, it's also a fairly affluent community. True, true. I mean, there's a lot of Audis, there's a lot of Mercedes, there's a lot of the higher priced cars. Here. Right. And you're right on the 401, so it's easy to just boost it and get on the 401 and book it to uh, to Montreal, as they say. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how far you'd get, but it's well, all the traffic. But well, I mean, if you, I guess, if, I mean, if if you're if you're doing it, you do it early. If you if you're doing it late at night. You know, midnight, two in the morning. Yeah, you get, you can, you can make it, or, or you book it onto the four hundred seven. Yeah, you're on the cameras, but you know, by the time anyone figures it out, that but that car's on a, on a boat for uh for wherever. So, yeah, I I I, I I'm I'm floored. I'm just floored. Like the police. I, I, well, I guess what I'm coming down to is I, I'm kind of floored that police don't seem to have a handle on this. Like this is, and this is some. This is a story that hasn't been that's been going on for a while. It's not a. It's not a new thing. Like they've been, but in I, I honestly think there might be. It is the problem that's too big for one police force. Right, and you know you've got like Halton has made. They made the arrests around the 2nd of March and this past weekend on the Saturday, they bust that they, um, they served a warrant on a, an area, a property in the area of Trafalgar road and lower baseline, which yes, that's still in Milton. Um, and they found 12, they recovered 12 cars that had been stolen, 20 other plates that had, that were linked to other cars around the GTA that have been stolen, plus still more cars that are at various points of being taken apart. So, you know, there are like, they, there are, they are trying in this area. Well, I guess that's the thing is that, but like, are they, are they trying to, do you know if they're trying to raise the flag at the RCMP level? Uh, just because I, I clearly this isn't a Halton sent Halton specific issue. I mean, if these cars are winding up on shipping containers to Montreal. To me, that that right there says this is an organized crime. Yeah, jumping, jumping sure for virtual going, boundaries. I'm not sure they're going that high, but I think they're trying to get the attention of uh, CBSA. Okay, obviously that's a bit that's an awful lot closer than. The Port of Montreal. It's just, um, yeah. I just, I, I'm puzzled, but like, it the, just strikes me as the RCMP, which is supposed to kind of govern that that interprovincial crime, right? Like the crime that jumps across borders. I don't know. I, I, it, it's a, 
I, I'm, I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled as, or if they're not the ones to, to do it, I could be wrong, but if they're not, then who, who would cover that interprovincial crime? I don't know. That's <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I dare say at the very least it would be the OPP and maybe the Sûreté de Quebec uh, working, you know, working to coordinate because it has to be a, 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 an end organization at Montreal. Like they're not just driving into Montreal saying, I hope I can get this car onto a shipping container and quietly board it onto a, a ship for, you know, Dubai or China or, or wherever it's going to yeah. go. So there's got to be an organization at the end there. So that right there, you just have to say there's an organized crime ring happening. And it's more than a 19 year old kid with a criminal record in an Airbnb and melt it. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's a good story. I think we're to, I'm going to put that on my uh, on my to do list of people to follow up with on on ask them to come in. Um, but let's take a let's take a look at a, a second uh, a, a second story. I I wanted to talk. Uh, I, I love talking politics, so let's talk politics. Uh, the Hamilton by election recently happened in or it's happening, I should say. Uh, but the but the 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 early vote count or the early vote numbers came in, and it's only five percent of all eligible voters uh, voted in the advanced polls in ha- the Hamilton Center by election. Which I know by elections are low, by elections are are low turnout affairs, but five percent that's 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 that that's that's telling to me. It's it's telling to me too, but you know, in a province where we pretty much gave Doug Ford a blank, almost a blank mandate to do a to do with whatever he wants, it's kind of, you know, I could see a lot of voters feeling, well, what's like, what's the point, you know? And then then there's all this other. I think we're probably about to touch on this, so I'm hoping not to spoil, but um, on the anti-Semitic stuff that's flying around that race, um, that's that would turn me off too. That's true. That's true. Because if there's more, especially if there's more than, I haven't been following too closely, except for the, um, there's been a video of, I think it's the NDP candidate, saying something and that sort of that kind of fascinates me a little bit because well, we we talked about it recently on the podcast like the previous episode and basically yeah. how the story goes is uh Benet Brith mm-hmm. uh basically uh, accused uh Sarah Jama of of anti-semitic or, or I don't want to say anti-semitic but like they, they accused her of of anti-israel sentiment uh, basically, because she attended a pro-Palestinian uh, rally at, at some point, um, Brian Lilly wrote caught wind of it. He wrote a whole op-ed, and basically that it culminated in a debate with the Liberal candidate uh, Dear uh, Tree Pike and uh, Sherrod Jama. Basically, ultimately just going back and forth, one accusing the other of. Uh, uh, Racism and the other accusing them of anti-Semitism. It was just a, it was just a nasty turn event. I should clarify my report, my my earlier statements, because um, I'm just looking up information here. Joey Coleman of the Public Record said that 
although 5% of registered voters uh, have voted in the uh, uh, Hamilton Center by-election, apparently that is a record. Because <laughs> uh, apparently in February 2020, Ottawa, Vanier, and Orléans uh, by-elections were 2.4% and 4.35% respectively. So apparently Hamilton Center really wants to cast votes, but um, it, it's not something that, again, it's not something that it's a big, these by-elections are never a big big turnout events, but I think it's a, uh, I don't know what, I, like, I don't know what to make of it. I, I get the sense that people are, are possibly angry with Doug Ford, but they don't know where to park their protest vote. I think that's a fair comment because the liberals, and it could also be that the provincial liberals haven't really got their house in order yet with the leader and whatever new whatever new maybe follow new policy that are coming that's coming from them well that's the thing it's it's a i think people are angry at doug ford's government his policies is the direction uh whatnot i also the other assumption i would say is um Hamilton center has always been ndp riding like i i can't think of the last time i can't think of the last liberal uh, uh, member uh, of provincial parliament from Hamilton Center. It's always been Hamilton Center, as far as I can remember. So for them to say, it's, it's that's the sad thing. Is like when we want these writings to become like a one-party uh, uh, security blanket, I guess. Like that, you, you just know that that one party is always going to win that seat. Uh, it it does. Take a, it. It just it draws. It. it, it there's no comp, competition for it, right? There's no. There's nobody's expecting change in that riding. No. Well, maybe a part of it was Andy Harbaugh. That was that was her riding, right? Yes. Well, you had the party leader coming out of that riding for a number of years, and you know when you've got something about. Something about a stronger voice, supposedly stronger voice at Queen's Park and a party leader. That might have something to do with it as well. But as I as I go as I'm going back to the whole issue, the whole anti-Semitism issue, people are just tired. Yeah. Like it's just in the last almost in the, going back to last last year, last June, there was a provincial election, last fall, the municipal election. This year, there's rumors of another federal election before the end of the year. And Toronto has a mayoral campaign going on. And now Hamilton has a by-election. So it's voters are exhausted. <laughs> that might play a part in it as well. I think so, too. I, I think a bigger factor would be, I think, the anti the anti-Semitism in the campaign definitely draws. I, I I don't I don't think it's it's the the make or break argument that some candidates think it is. And it's important to note and it's important to to confront, but it's not one of those things of when it's brought up in a campaign spontaneously, um, and the, the I think the motivations behind it are somewhat suspect. Um it turns people off because people say that's like, it's not like, like we said in the episode, 
both Sarah Jama, the NDP candidate, and Deirdre Pike, the liberal candidate, they're both good people. Like I, I don't believe that either one of them is are anti-Semitic or racist in their to their core. And so when you get into this, oh, but you said this on this date, and that must mean that you're you you must mean this wholeheartedly. It turns people off because actions well, do actions do speak louder than words. And I think you know people say, yeah, how, it, yeah. How many years? How many years ago was it that Sarah, that Miss Gemma? It was, I, I don't know the, the exact years. Well, one, the accusation was one, she was a, uh, back in university, she was a member of a, of a pro-Palestinian campus club. So, I mean, that's, that's suspect in itself. But more recently, she was attended a, I, I, a couple of years ago, like within, within five years, I'm going to say, she attended a, a pro-Palestinian rally uh, in Hamilton. Um and so, but again, like the, the, it's the problem is I'm going to lay something out here for me. I'm my father. I'm half Jewish. My father is Jewish. My mother was not. And so I maybe take the anti-Semitism stuff a little bit more seriously. Okay. No, no, f- fair enough. Fair, fair enough. I, 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 I also, I'm curious. I also think in the context of that, and this is the reason why I asked time, what time. I also think that we need to rediscover the idea that views can change over time. And that let's say she was, let's say she made the these comments years ago as part of, you know, whatever, however she felt at that point in that, at that point in time. Right. And, and she has demonstrated since she has learned um she or uh, i'm gonna say she has has learned more has learned better than i i, I mean maybe it's, it's, we need to recognize that there's a bit of room here for evolution see the, the question and i don't i i don't want to the question like the question we had roll and i had had the debate over it was were they would would you actually qualify them as anti-Semitic remarks? Like she she didn't her her remarks were in in, in the efforts of a pro-Palestinian. Like she just didn't want her Palestinian lives harmed. Is it a a? Did she have questions against Israel's policy in the in the Middle East? Yeah. Do you agree with her? Or not fair enough. At no point did I have, did I hear any remarks such as. Uh, Israel needs to be like wiped off the off the map. Anything like that that would be conflated with anti-Semitism. Like it's one of these things. Like we're really stretching here, and it's one of those things of okay, is it? Um, Question it, it, a case of yeah. questioning the Israeli state versus well, it's not. That's not actually yeah, kind of a thing. That's not, that I don't. I didn't. I didn't hear those remarks when the, in the clips that I I heard. That's not what I heard. Um. Trying to find it now, just to, since we're going into it, we, it, yeah, it's not that it, it, we didn't hear anything about like a necessarily anti-Israel sentiment. It was more about a, a pro-Palestinian life or what or whatnot. Even still, the the context of the clip is it's a very murky clip. 
uh, that we're all relying on. So I, that's why I don't want to say, oh, it's very clear she meant this or that. At the same time, when I get a chance to kind of clarify the remarks, I don't think she did a great job in, in kind of muddy yeah. the waters by not really saying, no, I believe, you know, Israel has a right to exist, but, you know, I, I, want, I support a two-state solution, which is generally what I think most Canadians envision in, in that part of the world. Um, more importantly, I was asking, like, what, what's the point in, the question we had was, what's the point in, in having the Liberal and the NDP candidates whose bona fides are in the social justice world picking a fight over something that, quite frankly, we thought was just throw, the, it was a grenade thrown into the mix by, the conser- by a right-wing conservative pundit, Brian Lilly, just to stir the pot rather than, you know, actually actual debate over the issues, which a lot of people are going to be, it's going to be a negative look on Doug Ford's record as it should be like from, a, from the, from the whatnot. It was just, yeah, it, it, it like, I don't want, I don't want to defend either one's remarks, but at the end, I don't buy that Sarah Drama or Deirdre Pike are either one of them based on their records and their actions are anti-Semitic or, or racist at all. Um, I found that, so that's why I found the whole, this whole debate in the media was a rather dishonest or kind of a, uh, it, it wasn't done with the best of intentions of getting to the truth. I should, uh, as I should uh, clear, uh, try to clear. It was a distractionary tactic. Kind of, yeah. And it was like, it was like, it was meant to, it was meant to, uh, it was meant to stop people criticizing Doug Ford and drawing negative attention to his party's record because let's face it three three out of four candidates there are going to campaign on hey they've done a bad job you need me to help stop them um but rather than have that debate they decide let's all go pile on each other and accuse each other of anti-semitism and anti-black racism and and lord knows what else i just said that was not a it's not a good look if you're a progressive uh, no. on that, on that front. Yeah. No, it's not a good look. It's not, it's, it's not, it's just one of those things of, like in the end, what's going to change? Nothing's going to change. And I think the, the. No. And it, and I think I've even repeated, said this before on the, on the podcast. This is what happens when we don't vote. <laughs> he gets yeah. a massive the person that maybe you like you either dislike with all of your the most polarizing person in Queen's Park gets a massive majority government. It is, and it's so well, you know, you need to you kind of have to give a damn, right? Yeah, like this yeah. this is the this is the thing that matters. And you have to wait, look past the slogans and, and to kind of know when you're being played. That's the thing. Yeah. The accountability factor is a big, is a big thing. Cause I don't know how many, I, I don't know how many PC party MPPs. Like I know during the campaign, I, I kept hearing that um, they weren't doing any debates. They weren't doing, they hardly did any interviews. 
And I know that now I contacted it. I contacted my MPP's office first for a statement for about a story. And at some point was passed off to the solicitor general's office. Yeah. And this is on a community. Like I get it was, it was about a crime. It was about, it was about the car story. And, um, and I get it. You want to get your legal facts straight, but this is happening in your community. You don't, you mean to tell me that you don't have something to say about that? Well, they should. Um, and if they have something to say, they're welcome to come on the podcast and say it. Uh, we'll, we'll give them a, we'll give them an ear or give them a microphone. I should say, you know what? I think we're going to call it quits for, uh, on this one, but thank you very much, Laura, for coming on and, uh, and talking crime and politics, always juicy topics on the 905. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. And, uh, we'll be back next week, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.